Hey, this is David Sanborn, and welcome to As We Speak, which is a show that finds me sitting across from people with one thing in common, creativity. On this week's episode, I speak with vocalist Kurt Elling, a master interpreter of the music. Kurt Elling, what a pleasure to, to, to speak to you today. I'm, I'm, I'm so honored and thrilled. And like I told you before, I am a you know, Kurt Elling super fan. And uh, there, there's so much that I have to, to talk to, to you about today uh, going into the past. But first, I want to just talk a little bit about the new album. There's an EP out with uh, Charlie Hunter and Nate Smith called Guilty Pleasures. And Super Blue 2, the iridescent spree will be sprung. And that's definitely going to be vinyl and CD and digital and everything. The iridescent spree. Okay, there you go. Um, is that also you, Charlie, and Nate? Iridescent Spree is Charlie and Corey Fonville and DJ Harrison from that band, Butcher Brown. What Charlie and I are trying to do with Super Blue as a concept is he and I are kind of the, you know, uh, the tent pole, and then we're trying to assemble over time a constellation of people who kind of agree with our concept. And, and that we can pull in and that we can rely on and depend upon for their brilliance and their expertise. So horn players and different drummers, you know, not everybody's available all the time, as you know. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, the, the the cats who are in Butcher Brown, that's a, that's a working unit. So they're out yes. all the time. So it gives us an opportunity. Uh, so we've been able to pull in a bunch of different drummers and a bunch of different keyboard players and the occasional saxophone player, that kind of a thing. So that's kind of our concept is Super Blue is Charlie and me, and then we're, we've got this growing constellation, and then we're available for everybody else's project too. Right, so it's kind of a community. Yeah, that's You're a building a work community. community. Uh-huh. You know, the, the EP that I heard, because yeah. this is the music that I've heard, and you know, the, it's with the, op I, the opening tune on that is the Baby Hold On. Oh yeah, Eddie Money. It was just so great. That's an Eddie Money tune? That's Eddie Money. That was a big hit for Eddie Money back in the day. Wow. I had no <laughs> idea. Baby, hold on to me. Whatever will be, will be. It made me, once again, realize the flexibility and uh, the ease and, uh, that, you, that you sing with. It just sound, sounds so natural. And you do these unexpected things. I heard a great quote about Paul McCartney or somebody. But I think this term applies to you. You turn the unexpected into the inevitable. Mm. You know, it's like, well, of course. You know, that... and after, after you do it, it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and you did uh, the, the Boogie Down, Algero, yeah. the Algero tune. God bless Al. What a what a trip. We were talking about him before we were before we yeah. were recorded, and and you know your obvious long association, long successful, brilliant, yes. beloved yes. association with him, uh, and the 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 I won't say handful, a little a, a little bit more than handful of times when we got to hang out together, and he was always the sweetest guy, the sweetest sweetest soul, in addition to being the most fantastically gifted singer 
I have some recordings of, we were supposed to be having a rehearsal, Al and John Hendricks and me. Oh. And we were rehearsing in New York City before we went over to rehearse with the Metropole Orchestra for this gig we were going to do together. And I kind of got those guys talking about oh, back old in San Francisco days. And I put my phone, and I rec- so I've got like 45 minutes, an hour and a half of Al and and John Hendricks talking. Oh, would that, was that when you lived on the houseboat? No, no, that was when we were in Sausalito. We were. At- <laughs> That's so great to have all that stuff. Oh, that is the treasure trove. Al is such a great performer. He yeah. was so magnetic on stage. He had so much charisma. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was his voice and his stage presence and just the ease in which he moved on the stage and uh um yeah and i mean i mean when i heard uh, a boogie down it reminded me of al only in i think in the sense of course because i had associated that song sure. for so long with al but you captured al without imitating al you know and i think that to me has always been your great gift you honor the song but you interpret it in your own way you don't turn your back on the meaning of the song and this goes uh, another song I, that always really moved me of yours was American Tune yeah. the Paul Simon song Simon yeah and uh tune that my wife and I discovered just recently was uh uh Not While I'm Around from Sweeney Todd oh sure I saw a live a live performance from you at Newport yeah and I mean I'm not embarrassed to say my wife and I were in tears Nothing's gonna harm you. And it made me re-examine that tune in a way. You know, because you did it so slow. Which is the hardest thing in the world to do. To to sing a song that slow. And the the fact that you were able to sustain it. But I think it just speaks to your versatility and your, your curiosity and your courage. Not while I'm around. You're not inhibited by anything. You just dive in. I saw you with Danilo Perez, where you were just, you and he were just improvising. That <laughs> was amazing, man. I mean, I, once again, my wife and I were there in, in the audience, and it was like, holy shit. This is like, this, ha- this is happening now, and it will never happen this way again. And it's like, that's the deal. That's what we all sign up for. Yeah. And, and and you hit the mark more often than almost anyone I know. We played together on the, the Blue Note at Sea Cruise. Yeah, man. And, and you, you crushed it. You've been bringing it to the table. I mean, if we want to get into mutual admiration society, yeah. I, can start, I can start going, man. It's such a thrill to have a conversation and for you to be so kind about everything. Um, I mean, I also want to throw a lot of credit to my collaborators on all of the things that you've mentioned. Um, Danilo, and I mean, you know, different, as you know, different collaborators pull out different parts of, of, of a person. And, you know, Danilo will go on at length before every gig we play together. He'll be like, okay, you want to go like Wayne? And I say, I want to go like we, like you go with Wayne. He says, okay, no net, no prisoners, no rules, no sky. We go. It's good, man. No rules. Okay. <laughs> no prisoners. No net. 
it's just it's all of that with with Danilo and you know it's a thrill again to have a resonant uh, creative partner there's a mystery an enigma there's a now your father was a was a choir director or Kapellmeister right. which was the, the term in the Lutheran church right and um, I I know that you uh, your early musical experience was in choir beginning middle and all the way up to you know when I was in graduate school uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, always, I, I, I have, a, I have a sense that, you know, I, I was able to encounter and to explore the, 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 the machinery of Bach's counterpoint before I understood that anything like that was what that was that was happening, you know, because we would repeat several of the motets every year. And so I sang the soprano line for many years, and then the alto line, and the same, mo- and then the te- and worked my way down to the basement. And by the time I was there, I had a kind of an you know an intuitive consciousness through performing it of the way the machinery of counterpoint was fitting together, and how beautiful it was, and how satisfying it was when it all played out exactly right, as it always and invariably does with Bach, um, and. At the same time, I was, you know, I'm, I'm told that I was making up, you know, uh, alternate harmonies when, you know, during the church hymns. Um, and I used to doubt that, but now that I have kids of my own and I hear them singing all the time and conti- always making up, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, I can see that. I guess that's possible since, no. since, since my kids are geniuses. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but I never encountered or held or utilized a microphone until I was, I'm, uh, 20. Everything was always singing to the back of the church or the front of the church and listening for the slap back and, you know, utilizing dynamics. And my dad was a great one for, uh, for several musical things. One was the use of dynamics and the consciousness of the power of dynamics because his consciousness was so much about lifting up the spirit and re- and trying to create a heaven on earth through music and trying to heal people through music and trying to create a really a, a, a real sense of ecstasy he wouldn't have used that word but he right. would have played to that consciousness the use of dynamics in that kind of situation as it is in any musical situation is absolutely essential you don't just start out at the top as you know yes um and also he was a great one for diction in his choir yeah how is it going to work why why are we even doing this if people can understand what the words are that you're singing why are we even here then and that's a consciousness that i've taken also into my work as a jazz musician and singing in tune the the necessity of singing in tune being in tune as just as much as possible because it's for the glory of the music and it's for the you know he would say it's for the glory of god so you're going to yeah. do anything halfway on that i i don't think that's that's the way we're going to operate son <laughs> through music we're looking for transformation and uh-huh. transcendence and this is a spiritual endeavor we're involved in here and it is about lifting the spirit and showing people that there is something higher than 
this, but at the same time, it's about being in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, in, you know, inhabiting what it means to be in the now. Yes. And I think that's that ineffable kind of almost indescribable quality that, you know, being a jazz musician is all about because we're all, we're all looking to transform our lives and, and communicating that to the audience is like, this is possible. You know, come with me, let me show you the way. So, you know, without being too, you know, hyperbolic about it, it's, it is like taking people to church all the time. If we're honest and, 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 and true to ourselves, which is what you do. There's such an honesty in what you do. I'm in from the moment I hear you start singing. And I was really struck by what you said about kind of intuitively learning counterpoint and understanding counterpoint and all and and uh, the, the fact that it kind of just you didn't look at it as a math problem you, mm-hmm. it was a it was like oh that's just right it was satisfying right. satisfying to my heart yeah exactly and feeling you know why why you have to sing in tune because this interval works yeah. If you sing it in tune and then right. you get that vibration where right. things just just vibrate together. Yeah. And um I I've I think you more than almost and probably I will I'll you know, say definitively, more than <laughs> any other singer I've heard, you embody that in your singing. Just like you sing in tune not because you think about it, because you feel it. And you uh-huh. sing those intervals and you change the quality of your voice that you you shape the dynamics of your voice by, you know, I mean, you can break it down, but it's pointless. Like thinning it out, thickening it up, yeah. you know, and changing the vibrato, manipulating the vibrato, but in a way that serves the music. And uh, uh, I, I think that's what's so, why you can go all these different areas is because you, you know, you approach it for, in, a, in a very spiritual way. You say, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't probably don't go through this thought process necessarily, but you, it's like you say, what is it about this song that reaches me? Well, why, you know, why this song? What is it yeah. that, you know, makes me feel like I can inhabit it? Because yeah. I think that my experience with you is that every song you do, there's a, there's an authenticity and like, you know, an, an inevitability to it. Yeah. You know. I'm singing this song because, and I'm bringing this to you, this, this, you know, these dynamics, this, this message, and it really is transcendent. And, uh, you know, so you're pay- taking people to church. That's a whole, that's a whole lot of lovely things to say. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I, I mean, I do, I do respect the fact that people have paid money to come out on a given night when I have a gig, when there's a concert, then it's kind of what I'm here to do uh, as a person. There's, I don't, I don't really have any other things that I'm, that I'm, you know, interested in. I don't have things that I'm, that I am gifted at. Um, And, and I'm so grateful to have been, to have been given an, uh, you know, a a physiological, a physical instrument that, that is flexible, that I can, that I can work with that responds most of the time uh to to the thing i'm asking it to do often unconsciously uh 
and I'm grateful that I've been surrounded by people who are, are much more knowledgeable than I most of the time and who have, you know, have their own stories to tell, have their own bank account of experiences and and music that I've never encountered, records that they've loved that I've never heard. You know, the world is so remarkably rich, as you know. How? Oh. Great musicians, thank God, spring up all the time. We are the ultimate wildflowers. And, you know, you go to Poland and you're going to hear some incredible, beautiful singers who cry while they sing. You're going to hear some Fado singers when you go over to over to, to, over to Lisbon. You, you know, like the, the just the sheer wealth. And let alone the young people who are coming to the United States even now and trying to get into Berkeley or wherever from God knows where. And what are they? And they want to learn, you know, the American songbook, and yet they know that they want to interpolate that with this, with their grandmother's lullabies, and that's the refreshing, you know, that's so it's just so refreshing because they do love the cats who've come before us, yeah, but they're not going to be kind of overruled by history. And yeah. that's as much of a task as what any of us has, is to play with respect and with the knowledge that has been handed to us by, you know, Cal Basie, or you think about, I mean, in my case, Von Freeman, um, you know, you think about Cannonball in your case, or, no. you know, Phil Woods, or like, it's like people have sacrificed their lives yeah. to this pursuit. Yeah. And to bring to come across with anything that is, oh, I don't know, just frivolous, or you're making it because you know it'll score a hit, or uh, I, I, I don't even have that possibility. I mean, I'm 55. I've got no hit songs in my future. What I have is um, the stuff that I'm that I believe in, that I'm going to continue to explore, that I think is going to be of value to to the audience and also to feed me. We hook everybody up out there, but it's like, I need to sing this in order to feel better. I need to sing these notes and I need to sing them in tune. If I'm not singing them to the best of my ability, then it hurts my feelings. But, but you commit, and I, I think that speaks to your courage as, as a performer is that you go those places where you're where you're not comfortable all the time. I saw something that, it was a video about the, the album you did with Bradford Marsalis. Mm. And I think the, uh, the drummer, Justin Faulkner. Justin Faulkner, for sure. Yeah, he said, he said you know, he said, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm uncomfortable all of the time. <laughs> and he said, and I want to stay there. Because I don't want to, you know, become one of those people that says, get a load of me. Yeah. You know, you always want to be a little bit on edge because you're always reaching for something. And what I remember Wayne Shorter once said, he said, sometimes it's better to go for a note and miss it <laughs> than it is to go for a note and make it because it's about the effort. It's about the reach. Yeah. And it's about the humanity of it. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's. That's the job, and it just you're it's you never get there. I like what you said about your father and being in church, and the idea you know because clearly you didn't have a mic at that point, so no. you had to learn to project. Yeah, which is when you think back to all the you know the jazz people that came before us. Yeah, they didn't have they would go on to these gigs. They didn't have mics. Yep, 
you know, when Ellington was on the road, Johnny Hodges didn't have a mic. They had they learned how to project. And now, you know, and I tell this to I tell this, you know, when I do these master classes, there are very few singers that I'm coming across with big sounds. Yeah. And it's because they're growing up with a microphone in their hand. The microphone does all the work. And they're in and 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 you know, times move around and I'm not just an old guy talking about ah young people today. But I mean no. they don't they're only performing in their rooms for their computers. So the sound only is going to get like this. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be in tune. It's going to be poetic. But as I say, you one wants to have the full play of possibilities in one's technical uh, resources so that you can, when you want to, bust yeah. it out. Yeah. Because you're going to find that, that music is going to demand a much, much... It's it's like the bandwidth of music. It's it's like you know you think about the rainbow. Well, the rainbow we only see X number of colors, but there's more colors that we cannot see that exist. And the same thing is true in your in your musical consciousness beyond what you're currently able to play that you can't even imagine exists. And if you're not technically driving toward the the greatest um, and and most fully developed arena of possibilities, then you're not going to have the full play of the artistic, uh, inspiring experience because you're not going to be able to play anything like that. You might not even know that it exists. Tony Bennett used to have this part in his show when he would just put the mic down. And if it was a big hall, like Carnegie yep. Hall, yep. whatever, he would just sing without a mic and he would fill the room. It was like, one of the best music lessons you could you can ever get is like this ladies and gentlemen is how you do it yeah yeah and it's not and it's not a party trick it's not showing off it's listen now now you you you've been listening to music and now here's some music yeah yeah <laughs> and this is like you know i mean he had just enough ego to have the confidence to bring that off i mean that's that's the balance isn't it we have to yeah you know, we just have to keep the ego in check, but we don't yeah. want to get rid of it altogether because it's like, you know, whatever that thing that drives you up there is like, there's yeah. a little bit of ego there, but just like, easy, pal. <laughs> right. right. Let's, not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Right. Let's right. remember what our real job is here, <laughs> you know, and to, to make people like they, make people feel like they've been someplace. They've been yeah. on a journey. That's right. And I, I think that's, you know, it's it's the unspoken quality that we try to find in our work, which is why we're never satisfied, which is what keeps us going. And, you know, thank God we're not satisfied. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, you know, you sometimes you say, oh, yeah, that was that was kind of what I meant to do. Pretty good. I, I, I get it. But then there was the other thing. So that's what you work on, the stuff that yeah. you say, OK, you know, whether you practice it or you think about it or whatever it is you know i uh i, I just think that uh that that's really what what you have to do river oh river river running deep were you a history ma you were a divinity i was a history major i was a religion minor history major oh okay so i i didn't realize that you know when you're growing up if you don't see uh an encounter an immediate immediately accessible path to 
a, a lifestyle or to a vocation, then you then then it's easy to take for granted that it's just impossible. Um, and I had never met any any jazz musicians. I had heard the records, and um, my dad was a World War II vet, and so we had you know swing era music around. Yeah. Well, those guys were dead, uh, and the next era of guys, Dexter Gordon and you know, uh, those cats, those were very, very distant realities. They were never going to come to my neighborhood and play. And I was never going to, you know, we were church people. It was not going to happen like that. Um, and it wasn't until I was in graduate school at the university of Chicago, reading the philosophy of religion by day, trying to get a map of, uh, you know, what, ha what have the greatest thinkers in the West thought like where where really are we you know when you grow up in the church you're given like here's where we are and if 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 you choose to accept that then you don't have more questions but if you have questions then you're going to have more and more and more questions because the first question is going to be answered with another uh, opening to another arena of questions yeah. uh so i was trying to get some answers to things and of course what i've discovered is that you don't get answers you you have the possibility of making a making an understanding with life. You're not given conclusive answers. It's what it's part of what makes it's part of what drives. It's 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 where my version of faith, if you will, or transcendent interaction dovetails exactly right with the jazz with the jazz idiom. Because in the in jazz, every night, what I wonder what will happen. What will be the melody that comes? Where will the moment of inspiration, where will the music take us? And we live questions. We live questions. And for my money, that's the most fruitful, productive, and gracious way to encounter the world is to continue to ask the basic questions over and over and over again. Why are we here? What does this really feel like? What is the source of grace? What is the source of evil? How can we overcome evil? Is evil real or is that the wrong name for it? Um, and so, so you know, where where is love? What is the definition of love? Um, you know, what's really happening here? Uh, you know, Rilke tells us to live the questions and that someday we might live ourselves into an answer. Well, isn't that the jazz project right there? Yeah. I feel very fortunate that the the deepest drive that I have as a person is so much a part of my vocation that I that unless I'm doing an interview, I it's just a natural part of it. It's just I take it for granted. Yeah. I don't spend time at my desk saying, What is the most important uh musical idiom idiomatic statement that I can No, it's just it's incremental day to day encounter with the possibilities the frustrations sometimes there's a little bit of an answer only it but it's only demolished by tomorrow's news so you have to start again you know there's this freedom that that i hear in your you know in, in your voice and in your music which is you know you've clearly been blessed with a great instrument with a great flexibility and total, and you have like a four octave range. You know, it's an incredible range that you, that always, everything that you do serves the music. And, uh, you know, 
whether it's the, the the this new record with what what's that great tune off on the new EP uh uh Dirty Deeds Done Cheap. <laughs> yeah, A C D C It's a is that an A C D C song? It is. <laughs> it sounds like a Charlie Hunter tune. You know, because he that'll had, be a great cop. I'll tell him you said so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charlie's crazy in the best possible way, but he's definitely crazy. <laughs> well, again, it's a situation where um, my collaborator makes me sound much smarter and more educated and hipper than I actually am. As long as I can you know, work toward my collaborator's level of genius, um, then, I'm, uh, then I'll most of the time be okay. Well, your your humility, you know, is is laudable, and I also think that it's what allows you to engage in conversations with the people you're working with, because that's really what you do. You're you're it's clearly give and take, and like you know, you're saying, "Hey, I want to do it," and the drummer says, "Oh yeah," and then yeah. you know, the piano player yeah. says, "Oh yeah, really? This okay." That is such an and such an important part of of being on the stand, as you know. I mean, it's the it's one of the bedrock things yeah. is that we have got to listen to each other. It's not just a soloist yeah. and a Jamie Aversold track. It's yeah. a band. We're here together. I've taken up way too much of your time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm so happy to get a chance to talk to you at length and to, you know, to get at least a small portion of my my fandom thing <laughs> for you. Love everything you do, man. And I am continue to be inspired by you. And uh, I just want to thank you for, for, for doing this interview with me. Oh, goodness. You know, David, you're, you're I, I can't, I can't thank you enough. You're, you, you've been such a hero for so long. Um, and you've been a you've been a part of my musical headspace and education and the the many thrills that I remember listening to music coming up and continuing on and you've defined a whole space for yourself that is only yours and I I so much appreciate you bringing me into your world a little bit in uh, you know in this way and and man I just deeply deeply hope that we have more time together in the future I do too thank you This has been As We Speak, a podcast from WBGO Studios. This episode was produced by Trevor Smith. Billy Robinson is our executive producer. And the president and CEO of WBGO is Stephen A. Williams. I'm David Sanborn.